Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 26, released on February 28th, 2007. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by Neil Bailey. Welcome, Neil. Hey, how you doing, Steve? Up, up and away. Yeah, well, we've got lots to talk about this show, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, start topical and discuss the fact that Superman Returns did not win the Oscar for Best Visual Effects, having been beaten by uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead, Man, Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, that's pretty lame. I mean, rarely is there a big movie, a tentpole movie, that I don't just watch because it's a big tentpole movie. And hell, I'm a movie fan. I fell asleep during the first Pirates, though, and I didn't really have any interest in seeing the second, so it's kind of hard from my end seeing how it lost to that. But uh, plot hater or not, you got to admit that the visuals for Superman Returns were incredible. Yeah, well, I'm like you. I have to admit that I never saw uh, Dead Man's Chest, uh, so I can't really compare the two movies visually, but... Uh, it is disappointing as a Superman fan, nevertheless, that uh, Superman Returns didn't win the only Oscar it was nominated for, but uh, I thought the visual effects in Superman Returns were pretty outstanding, uh, not just the plane rescue, which most people seem to identify as the best of the visual effects, but uh, also the catching of the Daily Planet globe, the, the new Krypton landmass, and uh, many other sequences, especially the, the bullet-in-the-eye sequence. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a movie that had better effects last year, and I'm coming up pretty dry. I, I didn't see the nominees, though. Who else was in there? Uh, the only other one was Poseidon. Uh, Poseidon? Seriously? I mean, I, I don't know. I'll have to watch Pirates 2 to see if it was better, but I know Poseidon was a hat full of something I can't say on this radio. <laughs> well, on a similar note, however, um, Superman Returns has been nominated for 10 Saturn Awards this year, so uh, which is the most of any film for the 2007 Saturn Awards. Very nice. And the Saturn Awards will be announced on May 10th, so there's a few months to go before we find out just how many of those 10 nominations will be won by Superman Returns. And well, on the subject of movies, uh, did you see that Warner Brothers is moving ahead with a Justice League movie? Yeah, yeah, I have a hard time seeing it happening given that it involves competing franchises, but I really hope it will. Um, people have been saying, well, they did X-Men, now that they can do the JLA, but it's kind of different because, you know, you get Wolverine, which is not a property outside of X-Men, uh, really, I mean, he's a property, but he's not really huge, and then you get Superman and Batman, who are both legacy franchises, so there'd be actor complaint issues, interruption of two strong franchises. I can't see Warner Brothers, who are afraid to do most anything with their characters, generally speaking, taking that leap. I'm guessing it'll be like X-Men and take a few decades if it ever happens. You think a Superman movie was hard to get? Try seven major properties. Yeah, well, just so we're clear for everyone who's listening, uh, this is not an animated feature we're talking about. It is a live-action film. So, um, But as in regards to your X-Men comparison, I mean, they are making a Wolverine movie now, so um, you know, there's no reason why they uh, can't make a JLA movie after separate Batman and Superman movies and Wonder Woman and Flash and whoever else they want to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, but that's, I don't know, the kind of the point I'm making is that Wolverine is the only huge breakout star of the X-Men movies out of that team of seven or so, and it's and he's one of the linchpins of the Marvel Universe, but he's still at best somewhat of a blip publicly, and most people just know Hugh Jackman. But everyone outside of the comic world knows the basics of Superman and Batman, um, like the origin and everything. It's like the difference between Stephen King writing a comic or Jeff Johns. We may love and know Jeff Johns better as the comic book community, but it would be... Um, 
Stephen King, who would later be a better-selling issue, and that creates all kinds of problems like the Dark Tower is having right now in terms of publicity, and not problems in per se, but more like pe- more people are going for it, as opposed mm. to, say, like, say, a Wolverine movie, a Superman-Batman combo movie would be a really big event. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, so far, the, the, one, uh, the WB have uh, only hired a writing team to script the movie, so it remains to be seen who will be cast or what characters will be included. Uh, but you'd have to think that Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are definites, uh, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, bringing them all together. I, I mean, Wolverine is with Marvel, uh, a, car- a company that's allowing their characters to run free on screen, whereas you get DC and Warner Brothers that have been tighter than a monkey's claw lately, and they don't seem to be letting up. But I'd be hard-pressed to imagine a movie without Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah. And heck yeah. I mean, I'd love to see Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. Don't get me wrong. I hope they make the movie tomorrow. I hope they make it yesterday. But I guess my overall point is more that I don't really have faith in Warner Brothers, per se, right now to take that leap and have that courage after 12 years of waiting for Superman. Yeah, true. I guess it's still very early days, but it begs the question, if Superman and Batman are in it, and you'd have to think that they would be, uh, are Brandon Routh and Christian Bale automatically hired in those roles? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I was afraid might take the project down, make it not happen. My guess is that they wouldn't do a movie with those two, um, or without those two, rather, because they're so um, I- incredibly scared, irrationally, I say, of public misperception of the properties. Um, they wouldn't do it without both, and using those two would take the two strong franchises and delay them or at least uh, put them off a little bit. The, the Wolverine movie is happening because, you know, there are no more X-Men movies coming. They said that they were going to do one after X2, and then they didn't, and now the X-Men movies are done, so here we go. Yeah, well, I don't think the JLA movie would necessarily happen uh, before either a Superman or Batman m- movie. I mean, they've both got... Uh, movies coming up with Superman The Man of Steel and the next sequel after Superman Returns there may be even another one after after that before a JLA movie gets done so I don't really think the JLA movie would derail either property oh yeah yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think it would derail either of them either. Um, I think both could coexist beautifully, and I'm all for the more movies, the merrier. I, I'm, I'm thinking, though, that uh, WB are less brave, and, but, but I'm with you. Yeah, I've heard a few fans calling for the current Alex Ross Justice series uh, to be the basis for the film, but uh, while I love Justice so far, and um, it looks like it's going to be a great series when it does finally finish off, I wouldn't mind seeing it being made into a film, but I tend to think that the movie departments these days like to do their own thing and be unique. Yeah, yeah, I also think Justice at Wall of Beautiful Story is definitely set in the Silver Age, or at least the 80s kind of uh, stock Super Friends feel, and, and comics have been expressing the need to move forward even on the movie front in terms of seriousness and I'm not saying that justice isn't serious I'm just saying it's very more status quo um, I've seen kind of a regression like that in terms of character over the last few years with pushes forward like identity crisis but it seems like largely they're trying to bring back a status quo that, that lacks character complexity as opposed to continuity complexity like like Injustice um, whereas in the movies they're trying to push it forward like they did in the 80s they're almost behind comics by about 15 years mm. well talking of comic stories the, the other big topic at the moment in the DC universe is the upcoming weekly series titled Countdown now for those who haven't heard about Countdown um, it will be a 52-issue weekly story, starting from issue number 51 and counting down to issue zero. And apparently, Jimmy Olsen must die. Yeah, I don't know. 
I may be wrong, but I don't think they'd telegraph a death like that. I mean, they usually would like to surprise you. It seems obvious to me that he'll survive, but the story is how he will, which is kind of a neat idea. I like the idea of bringing Jimmy back to the forefront myself. Yeah, and with Jimmy involved heavily, you'd have to think that Superman's a major character in there as well, so that's a good thing, because while I've thoroughly enjoyed 52, the current weekly series that DC are releasing, I've, uh, I've missed Superman's involvement in it somewhat, and... Actually, I just miss Superman full stop. I mean, what with all these uh, delays in his own monthly titles, regular titles, uh, you know, we've, we just need more Superman, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I was incredibly surprised myself. In fact, that's my only complaint about 52, that it hardly involved the big three. Their their journey was just as an intriguing a concept, if not more so, in that what, what did they do for that year away, you know? I mm. hope that somebody covers it somehow, because all three heroes has taken a year-long powder list and remains pretty far-fetched to me. Yeah, I think many of us started reading 52 thinking that we'd see what Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman were doing in that year off. Uh, but that's not been what's been shown. So, uh, But either way, I've still really enjoyed the series nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Countdown is more dubious to me because it doesn't involve four strong creators that I know and trust. But I, I think I'll give it a shot. I, I don't see it as being as successful. Um, how about you? Well, with Paul Dini in charge, I, I think it might be quite good. Um it's not too dissimilar to a weekly TV series, so uh, and he knows how to control that, so I think it might be better than most people think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's not that I don't trust Dini. It's more the fact that he seems like the story editor, seemingly, unless the writer, that's the feel I'm getting, which means they might go in crazy directions, and it doesn't seem as mapped out and planned as 52 was, being planned so far, so far back like 52 was, it's, uh, at least from what we've heard. I could be full of it, though, and I'm going to wait until I see it to give the ultimate thumbs down or up. Yeah, now, in past shows, we've been harping on the publishing delays of the regular Superman comic books, and I just mentioned it earlier. Uh, and Jeff Johns recently stepped forward online and explained that Adam Kubert is to blame because he's taken so long with his, uh, with his handing in his art. So, what's your rea reaction to that? I have two reactions. Um, one is extreme happiness because it means a regular schedule, like, just like we've wanted and been waiting for. And uh, two, I'm kind of worried, mostly because of the fact that I think that these guys should be putting out a regular schedule anyway. And filler stories generally tend not to be as goal-oriented as the larger picture runs. Uh, a key example is the obvious difference between the auctioneer, which is the tale that filled in between creators, and say, Up, Up, and Away, or even the Busiek Future story, um, which, which is part of his quote-unquote run, as opposed to just a standalone story. I think that if they can make the stories good, the standalones, it'll be a great way to fix the problem, but I still see no reason whatsoever, none, that good key creators who are, who are getting basically all these royalties can't get 12 books out a year without having to have fill-ins. It's pretty reprehensible to me. Yeah. Uh, while I applaud Jeff for being straightforward and telling us the truth, I think uh, editor Matt Idelson should have been the one making the statement uh, about Cubit or somebody else at DC. I don't think it's up to the writers to out the artists. Uh, nevertheless, I think Adam Cubit has done himself and the fans a disservice by not delivering art on time, and that's their job. That's what they get paid for. I just think that the, these creator, uh, the creative people, the writers and the artists, need to realise that most fans are reading the books for the character not necessarily for the person writing or drawing the book. Yeah, and, and people really pounded on Jeff for taking that step and called it unprofessional. 
Um, personally, I say screw professional, but you guys know me. I mean, what's better, though, to endear yourself to stodgy conceptualizations of formality for a hierarchy of elitist creators, or the people whose money you're taking and who you're telling the story to? And honestly, I'd have done the same thing. No offense. I mean, but I mean, Steve, if you were, uh, if my articles weren't coming out because you weren't posting them, I don't think it would be unfair to say, without calling you names or anything, as Jeff did, that you were the reason. Of course, you're a great editor, so I never had to do anything like that. But that's kind of the point. We have a job to do, and we do it. And if we can't do it, we replace the people responsible. The media must come out, and that's a part of media. Yeah, unprofessional is not delivering on time. Unprofessional is not doing your job, and I applaud Jeff as you do, but I just don't think DC should have waited for him to be the one to explain the situation to the fans. Either way, it looks like we'll be rewarded for our patience with multiple issues of titles coming out to make up for the ones we've missed, and apparently we'll be getting two issues of Action Comics and Superman in some months to catch up. Yeah, despite my misgivings, I really hope they're great issues, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, certainly. You recently started writing JSA reviews for the Superman homepage. How have those been received by the fans? So far, so good. It's great. It's 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 kind of odd to have a book that hasn't really had any bad stories associated with it on a regular basis. I mean, typically I'm doing your legacy Superman books, and they're they're very hit and miss, and handed from creator to creator. You have one good run, one bad run, pretty generally speaking. And then uh, you get JSA, which is a solid title and has been for a near half decade. So it's basically going to be enjoyable for all. I think. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> okay, well let's move from comics to TV. Uh, we're in a small break on Smallville at the moment. Uh, I see Al Goff has been busy filling in his time answering fan questions and participating in online interviews here and there. Uh, what do you feel about what's been said recently about the future of Smallville? Oh yeah, <laughs> the idea of an eighth season perplexes me honestly. Uh, six is kind of pushing it, and seven would be overseeing the welcome, I think, given the story's natural progression. Um, and with recent quality, I'm surprised they're even talking seven. But uh, one of the jokes we have on the caption contest now is that you make a phrase that's absurd, and then after it say, stay tuned, because that's what a lot of Al Goss recent answers have been. And that's in the spirit of good fun. We're not trying to get personal, but... It, the point being there, he's, he, he's not responding as directly as anyone would like about the plot points, and he, the, the potential interviews that we were offered, just like last time a couple of years ago when we offered to go with him and kind of explain as a fan liaison, they've simply been ignored or put off by their publicity people, and we aren't getting any response, and we're trying to get you guys some closure or explanation, but they're just not listening. Yeah, and in separate interviews, Michael Rosenbaum and Christian Kristen Crook have both said that uh, they're on board for seven seasons and wouldn't stick around beyond that if Smallville was picked up for an eighth season. Uh, personally, I'm with you. I think seven seasons would be about right, uh, although I think next season would really need to focus on attempting to merge Smallville with the known future of Clark Kent becoming Superman. Yeah, and, and I'll make it clear that if they do eight six seasons, I'll stick with it. I'll, I'll be on it if they do nine. Um, I'm on this ride from start to finish, and I'm supporting this show. That doesn't mean, however that it's going to make sense. That doesn't mean it's going to be good. Uh, the idea of Clark Kent traveling the world and learning his powers is an incredibly powerful one to me, but indications are that any season 8 would simply be in Smallville. That's what Goff seems to say when everyone asks him where the show is moving or evolving. They say they're never going to leave. And do you think Heroes is impacted on the show at all in regards to how they'll write the show from now on or ha how fans will perceive the show in comparison? Because Heroes has been fantastically entertaining and uh, killing it in the ratings. 
No, I, I know that last week they kind of ripped off an idea from Heroes, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I can't help but think they'll impact each other. Uh, in retrospect, I don't see too much of a difference between the two shows, necessarily. They both use characters you have to stretch to relate to at times. Um, they've got mysteries revolving around human plot devices, and it's an ensemble cast in both shows. I don't know, though, that the first season of, uh, the, the first season of Heroes is essentially a big mystery. How will these guys get together and why? And yet Smallville, on the other hand, has only had one overarching theme that doesn't fade away, Clark learning his destiny, which we already know won't happen until towards the end of the show. Um, otherwise, it's just freaks or stones. Heroes has a distinct advantage in that respect, and uh, Smallville, for an in-season arc, has the Triforce, whereas the Heroes is evolving. I think they're different animals with the same basic premise. And Heroes has another advantage. It's got Jeff Loeb. Yeah, <laughs> that's a key advantage. I don't know. But, see, I still prefer Smallville to Heroes, honest to God, overall. Not this season, per se, but Heroes reminds me of the potential of Smallville in Season 3, when it was just about to go somewhere, but didn't. Um, but it isn't as powerful to me as Season 1 or 2 of Smallville was. Yeah, but, uh, well, Smallville Season 6 continues with new episodes uh, from March 15th, so I guess uh, we'll see how Season 6 continues from then on, and see whether or not Al and Miles... Uh, gearing up for a season 7 finale or something more. Sounds good. Darkseid's hold on Themyscira grows stronger. Show her the proper way to respect this odd. Yes, my lord. On your knees. Bow before Darkseid. Batman has a plan. Steel. I'll need your expertise. With what? We're never going to be able to stop the parademons by just fighting them. Supergirl, Robin, and Wonder Girl have a plan of their own. This place was like my home for a long time. I am dead serious. So am I. I'm in. And Superman and Wonder Woman may not be able to hold the line. There's so many of them. Keep fighting! We've got to give the others time! Imperium continues on February 28, 2007, in issue 26 of Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, only at supermanhomepage.com. Let's start with the big question. Time for our big question segment. Last show, we asked listeners whether Smallville was delivering for them, what their feelings were about the show, and we got some great responses. Here's a selection of those that we received. Calvin Bowes wrote, My biggest problem with Smallville is they missed the point that it began with how Clark Kent grows to become Superman. When watching the series today, it is very hard to buy he will one day be the Superman we know. For one, he does not have the moral values of Superman, like having sex before marriage. It is clearly that the show has lost its focus and all they are doing is making the product very much a teen soap and not the show it began as. The way I feel is this Clark Kent will never be the Superman we know. Sometimes you just need to go back to the basics. Very much with you there. Yeah, uh, Felix, a.k.a. Terminal, wrote, uh, After season three, Smallville suddenly became the show that originally turned me off in the first place. Melodrama, bad acting, and a complete waste of a concept that it could have turned this show, um, this from a show on the CW to a force beyond a label of a teen drama. It seems Smallville really only appeals to its audience rather than taking us along for the ride. Want more Klana? You got it. Want more sex? You got it. And in an attempt to, please, uh, to appease the fans, they forgot what the show was for. Somewhere along the line, Smallville lost its way. 
and forgot what made it such an entertaining origin story. It's now The Adventures of Lana Lang, featuring the Smallville crew, and it's disappointing. I'd like to see the series get retooled for the next season, or a new season, a ser- new team come on to rebuild what crumbled after season three. Because I'd rather have no Superman on television than a show that has no focus on Clark Kent and full focus on one of the most unlikable characters ever created. How come Clark doesn't use Super Breath as much anymore? What happened to Heat Vision, X-ray Vision? Is he still training? What's keeping Lois in Smallville, and so on? These are questions Goff and Miller can't answer, but I'd love to have a frank answer to why Smallville has gone downhill without spin and double talk, just once. Yep, good uh, comments there from Felix. Um, Julian Finn wrote, Hey guys, I was a devout fan of Smallville in the first three seasons. I watched it religiously and regarded it as probably the best bone on TV. I've never been thrown as a Superman fan. I just don't understand how things have gone so wrong. It seems to me like the writers feel paralysed by budget constraints, so rather than give us more solid plot revolving around the more earthly elements of Clark's journey to becoming Superman, they started writing in these horribly contrived soap opera-ish character stories that do tremendous damage to the overarching plot. I came to the realisation while watching Justice. If that episode had come out two years ago when the writing was still mostly Superman-centric, would have been thrilled beyond measure and overlooked some of the cheesier elements of the story. Coming out now in the midst of what appears to be a very different show, an episode like this just feels discordant. I hope that the writing team manages to turn this trend around in the last season, but I truly feel that they've written themselves into a corner that can't be recovered from. P.S. Just a nod out to Neil. I've actually come to enjoy and look forward to your reviews more than to the episodes themselves. I don't always agree with you, in fact, in Labyrinth I was shocked that you actually seemed to miss the entire point or one of the pivotal scenes, but nevertheless, they, they're always a great read. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks. Yeah, and that's one of those things, you know, I'm always glad when people can enjoy it even when I don't. That's the overarching goal, is we want to get you guys excited about the show, and if you like it, great. I mean, I'm glad. Um, Torn wrote, Stephen Neal, regarding Smallville question for this month, uh, regarding the Smallville question for this month, I agree with some of the things you said. I have no idea how the show can go anywhere when everyone in town except for Clark forgets every other day. Um, other than the JLA and Martian Manhunter, the season is barely serving a purpose. I feel that the seventh season is what will be the most important, which is most likely Jor-El's training, but who knows? Maybe they'll give up on that too and have a completely random plot having nothing to do with the Superman origin. Thanks for hearing me out. Yep, thanks Torn for writing in. Now uh, David Goodman writes in and says, I think Smallville is a great show. The only things I don't like about it is Lex being with Lana. That is different from the comic books. I also don't agree with them killing off Jonathan. Short, sharp and to the point. Yeah. Bork from Ork wrote, I was thrilled when I first learned there was going to be a show about Superman before he became Superman. Not being too impressed with Lois and Clark, I saw it as a more practical way of portraying the Man of Steel on live-action TV. What I initially loved in the first season was that Clark didn't wear tights or glasses, he didn't have all his powers yet, and he didn't even know where he came from. Now it feels more like Superman short of a college education, a job, and a costume. Also, I didn't expect all the me- I, I first didn't expect all the meteor freaks and other superpowered villains, as I thought it would focus more on Clark hiding and honing his powers and saving people. Through the years, the series has taken a lot of turns I didn't expect, but which I generally have been flexible enough to bear with. To this day, I still enjoy watching, even if it's a far cry from the development I thought we would see. I've often caught myself wishing some things had happened differently. For instance, I think that Clark should have kept the glasses he wore after his temporary blindness and whisper, and he should be flying by now, preferably after the events of Crusade. Another thing we have yet to see is Clark making some early sketches of a costume, or at least considering disguising himself while using his powers. Good point. Yep, and the last word... A bit of a lengthy one goes to Daniel McIntosh, who wrote, I think that Smallville has livered and not delivered at the same time. 
To many fans, when the show was announced, we were extremely happy that there would be a show that would give us a sort of backstory of what it was like for Clark to grow up and how he decided to take on the persona of Superman, which was different to what we saw in the Superboy TV series. Where I feel that they have not delivered is in their continuity and the delivering of the mythology that they have chosen. Continuity has been a big issue in my mind, especially when you see one week Lois is writing for the front page of the Inquisitor and the next week all is forgotten about her role there. I am sick and tired of this constant back and forth between Clark and Lana. I don't think they have delivered well with the character development of these two. With the exception of Lex and Chloe, I would say decent character development is virtually non-existent. My biggest gripe is is that by now Clark should be bordering on this great man who should have stepped up and filled Jonathan Kent's shoes after Reckoning, but he hasn't. If you see the way he acts, especially in the emotional department, he's not much better than that of a 13 or 14 year old. With all the hang-ups about his biological father and other things, that is, it is a wonder that he really isn't a psych ward and Jarrell really is soap. <laughs> I would like to have seen Clark and Lana together from season 2 and have them in a stable relationship and then ultimately grow apart towards the end of the series with Clark, Clark embracing his destiny and realising that, Cl- that Lana would never accept him for what he had to do as has been in other incarnations of the characters. I find this constant back and forth rubbish between the two of them to be what is giving the show this Dawson's Creek feel to it and it should stop. I feel that the show has some great elements and has provided the mythology with some great new avenues with the whole Jarrell coming to Earth and Brainiac etc. But I feel that they really meandered about with rubbish filler episodes rather than keeping a nice tight show which holds continuity from week to week and has a logical progression in its development of characters. I would rather have 13 decent episodes a season a season, as opposed to 22 episodes where 13 of them are rubbish filler type episodes. The most important thing is that Kal-El should grow to become Superman, the symbol that embodies all that is good, right, and be a symbol of hope to, the every, to every person. So far with Smallville, I can't see that happening anytime soon with this Clark Kent, sadly. Thanks to everyone who sent in a response to the big question. Now, this month, Neil has a new big question, and this is what we want your feedback on. What is the one thing they could do to the Superman myth that would make you swear off Superman entirely? Is it killing G- Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, or what? Uh, it's a big question. I could think of a lot of things that would turn me off Superman entirely, but uh, we want to hear your feedback on this. So if you've got something to say in response to this big question, don't hold back. Click on the big question button at the Radio KAL webpage and send your thoughts in. Try keep your submission to less than 100 words if possible and we'll check, the all out, check out all the submissions and read out a selection of them in next month's Radio KAL show. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Last month, our super-secret soundbite came from the Smallville episode titled Suspect. Now, seven people guessed it correctly, and those seven people were C. Neil Williams, Nelda Mormon, Tim Costello, Paddy, David Goodman, Sean Hemmings, and Steve Holmes. Congrats, guys. Thanks for playing. Now see if you can guess which Smallville episode this sound comes from. I could have sworn there was a cut above your eye. Can you guess which episode of Smallville that sound comes from? If you can, use the super secret sound by entry form found at the Radio KAL webpage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in our next Radio KAL show. Superman in Songs Time. So what's the tune this month? Well, this month we have another fan-made song titled Powerless, and the song is by Jeff Scott. Here it is. 
Davis called it recession Way back in the fall I sold cheap pianos in a shopping mall Making pretty good margin balls that I could go far So I buried all my money in a little black car Sandy bought up her condo just before I got hit That little car had a little black cloud over it I got two times lucky, a third time crashed And I woke up and peeled with my leg in a cast I'm powerless, like Superman on Krypton Like Frosty with his hat on I'm powerless, she's been gone I'm invisible, like Charlie Brown Resume that can't lose But when I tried and tried To get inside The lady said I'm sorry you ain't qualified
Nice song, Jeff. If you like the song and you'd like to check it out again or hear some of Jeff's other work, you can check out his website at jeff-scott.com. Well, that's the show for another month. If you'd have anything you'd like to tell us about, a topic you want us to discuss on a future show, or even a comment you want read out, uh, contact us using the KAL mail feedback button on the Radio KAL page at the Superman homepage, and we'll be sure to check it out. Thanks for another great show, Neil. Thanks, Steve. I'm Neil Bailey. You say classic, classy eight, eight seasons? Did you say eight seasons? I think I'm going to have a heart attack here. Eight? Eight? Yeah, well, thanks again. Um, I'm Steve Eunice. Catch you next month. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. Yeah.